Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. You may be seated for a moment. I'd like to make a very special introduction. Some of you uh, may have never met our next speaker. Uh, he hasn't been here since 2018, so if you've come since then, you've never met Rami. We support a group called the Navigators International, and they provide ministry to international students that come to the United States. So I want Rami Elias to come up and tell you all a little bit about what he does in the ministry that we have the joy of helping support. This is Rami. Good morning. Uh, great to be here and worship uh, with you all. We uh, always love come uh, visit with our friends in Texas. Uh, we love the people. Uh, we love the food. We love the, the weather. So I'm from Egypt. Truba is from Jordan. So when we came this time, a few people say, sorry that it is uh, very hot while you're visiting. We're saying it feels like home, you know. So... Yeah, so good to be here with you. So we're working with uh, international students, and uh, it's a very strategic uh, mission field. We have 1.3 million international students studying here in U.S. campuses, and uh, many of them are from hard-to-reach uh, nations, uh, some countries that we cannot even send missionaries to. But the Lord is bringing them to our doorsteps here. And they are not your average students. They are uh, uh, the brilliant students back in their home countries. This is how they make it to U.S. uh, campuses. Uh, Most of the students we're working with are grad students working on their master's and Ph.D., and many of them being sent by the government and have already a, a good job waiting for them when they go back home. So, uh, 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 so, uh, uh, they are brilliant. They are concentrated. So they come to certain campuses, which make it easier for us uh, to reach them. Uh, we're serving at Penn State, and uh, Penn State is number 12 in the nation. Uh, we have more than 9,000 international uh, students at, uh, at Penn State. Uh, uh, and they feel, uh, they feel uh, uh, lonely. Uh, so... Uh, uh, we enjoy having them come to our home, eat uh, uh, Middle Eastern food, be a home away from home f- for many of them. And uh, uh, they are more open to the gospel here than back in their home countries. There is a lot of, uh, there is less fear and peer pressure. Uh, uh, back there, everyone is born uh, 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 Muslim, so they think everyone here is Christian. So when they first arrive, they're trying to learn about the language and the culture. They think also learning about Christianity is learning about the culture. So they are more open here uh, compared to their home country. So our heart is that uh, reaching those international students and those who come to Christ, if we can get them trained and equipped, they would be the best missionaries to take the gospel uh, back uh, to their home countries. Uh, yeah. Uh, they will be well respected uh, and very influential with a degree from the U.S. Uh, so they can do much better than if we, uh, uh, if I would go as a missionary to a foreign, uh, a foreign country. Uh, we have uh, dinner on campus every Friday night. Uh, we have dinner in our home uh, every Saturday night. And when COVID hit, everything changed. Uh, there were no longer gathering allowed by the university. Uh, 
so uh, uh, our home gathering was considered a personal event. Uh, so we continue to have students come to our home uh, during COVID. And uh, for Middle Easterns, fellowship is very important. So while uh, uh, Chinese and, Hind and uh, Indian and African students didn't show up uh, at our home, Middle Eastern students continued to come. And then they, their friends know that there is this social gathering at our home, so they started to invite more friends. And while before COVID we had about one-third of our group from Muslim background, and this was helping to have a diverse group, uh, so when we're sharing the gospel during the Bible study, uh, they don't feel targeted because we had atheists and Buddhists and Hindu students sharing different views. So it's not just Rami and Ruba trying to convert them. When uh, COVID hit and uh, the overwhelming majority became a Muslim, the dynamics uh, changed. Uh, for Thanksgiving dinner, we had 27 students at our home. For Thanksgiving dinner, only three, three were not from Muslim background. So there is a lot of peer pressure now uh, uh, in, in the group. A few weeks ago, we had a student from Iran saying that uh, he's now uh, 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 agnostic. And immediately, like five other Muslim students took to him, how can you say that? You know, they're trying to, to bring him back. So we're trying to be sensitive, not to expose those who are spiritually open. So the rest of the group tried not you know, you know, to correct them. And we're trying to do more one-on-one -on -one, uh, during the week, uh, meet with them. Uh, this is where they can have uh, more, uh, feel more uh, secure to, to share personally what, what they're thinking. Uh, uh, one great example about our vision is a student from uh, Turkey. Uh, uh, we'll call him Mu. Uh, he was uh, uh, doing PhD in education. And he was going, he was coming to our Bible study every week for like three weeks. And I would meet with him one-on-one -on -one, uh, during the week uh, to study the Bible. And he's very smart. He asks good questions. And if the answer makes sense, we won't debate about it. So a few times I asked him if he wanted to invite Jesus uh, into, his into his heart. And he would say no. Which makes sense, you know, if you come from a Muslim background, you're risking a lot. Uh, your family will not accept you. You may lose your job. Uh, so I, I understood when he said no. Uh, but then he started to invite other friends from Iraq, from Turkey, to our Bible study group. And he would be raising questions that make them doubt their faith. So one time after our Bible study, as we were leaving Panera, I told him, Mo, I understand you're not ready to receive Christ, but how come you're evangelizing others? And he said, you know what will happen to me if I become a Christian? I told him, uh, yeah, you, you may lose your life. And it turned out that fear was the thing that's keeping him uh, from coming to Christ. A uh, few months later, he came to Christ. And uh, the week following that... <laughs> sorry. The year following that, he was Skyping with three of his best friends uh, uh, back in Turkey. By the end of that year, he led two of them to Christ. Uh, he's now back in Turkey uh, teaching in, in the university. Uh, and, and this is our vision, is that uh, reach out those international students, those who come try to Christ be equipped so they take the gospel uh, when they go back home. 
we are very grateful for your partnership. We cannot do that without your prayers and support. So thank you for uh, uh, joining us uh, in what we're doing at Penn State. Uh, and uh, uh, in your way out, there is a sign-up sheet and uh, the information desk if you would like to receive our prayers and uh, know how to better pray for us. Uh, you can sign up to receive uh, our newsletter. Uh, thank you so much for having us and for uh, uh, partnering with us in reaching the nations uh, here. can see by my scooter. <laughs> I've injured my leg and I'm having to stay off it for a little bit, practice some rest that isn't easy for me to do. <laughs> well, welcome. If you're a guest this morning, we're so glad that you are with us this morning. If you're joining us online, welcome. We are so glad to have Rami and Ruba here with us this morning and their kids. Uh, and have them be able to share and give us an update of what's going on in their ministry. Um, their ministry is just one of several uh, that we support, uh, both in the United States and internationally. And theirs is unique uh, that they operate in the U.S., but it's really international. Um, the, the people they're ministering to are going to take the gospel worldwide. And uh, New Covenant Church, like I said, supports uh, multiple ministries like this. Um, if you would like to know more about the others that we support, you can go on our website, on our About Us page. There's an annual report down there at the bottom that talks about all the ministries that we support on a monthly basis. Some of them are even local to Lampasas. Uh, we support the local pregnancy center, the Lampasas Mission among others. Um, and so if you'd like to know more about that, you can, you can check that out. Actually, in September, um, August marks the end of our year. So on September 11th, we'll be um, sharing our updated annual report for what God's done in this last year. So you'll get the opportunity to see the new report uh, here in just a few weeks. Uh, also on September 11th, um, many of y'all know Joel Meyer, Pastor Joel, um, he's been with us two or three times as a guest speaker, a very dynamic speaker, and he's going to be with us as a guest speaker that Sunday as well, so mark your calendar for that. Well, this morning, we're going to continue uh, the rest of God's series. If, you're, if you have your Bible with you, you can turn to Exodus. That's where we're going to start uh, here in just a moment. From there, we'll jump a couple books over to Deuteronomy, um, so you can mark those two. Uh, we're going to conclude this series next week, and I'm going to do my best to make this morning's message and next, uh, next week's message as practical as I possibly can. Uh, when it comes to just about anything... Here, uh, our culture in the U.S., uh, we just want to know how to do it so we can get started, right? Um, if, if someone is showing me something, uh, they've probably shared maybe about 10% what I need to know, and I'm ready for them to move out of the way so I can try. You know, uh, we just want to do it ourselves. We will figure it out while we go along. Uh, and most of us are really just pretty impatient when it comes to being taught something new. Uh, and maybe it's just me, <laughs> but, but I, know, I know that's something I struggle with. We just want to jump in. And that drive that so many of us have may just be one more uh, great example of why we need a Sabbath rest and why we need to learn a little bit more uh, how to rest. As God has brought my own need to learn to rest to my attention, one of the first things that I struggled with was how can I do it? Even if I can do it, what does it look like? 
And one of the biggest difficulties we face when trying to define Sabbath or rest is that virtually no one is doing it. Um, you can look around. I know I've looked around, and it's hard to find anybody that is giving a good example of what rest looks like. So I tried to start defining it myself. And I ran into some problems pretty quick. Maybe I should call them excuses, not problems. Um, but the first thing that I struggled with was how can anybody rest for 24 hours straight? Who has that kind of time? Uh, And I immediately started trying to come up with a version of Sabbath that would be easier to do. Uh, So I was trying to get God uh, to meet me in the middle somewhere. And I thought, you know, can I just have a few Sabbath minutes here and there? You know, maybe, maybe rest for an hour every once in a while. And I was trying to make deals with God. You know, I'll do better than I am now, but not quite get to what your expectation obviously is. Um, And it didn't take long for me to realize that my solutions uh, weren't his plan. And I was naturally going along one of two paths that most of us will take when we're trying to do anything that God calls us to. And that is that we either um, take the minimalist approach and we ask the question, what's the least I'm required to do and the most I can get away with? You know, it's yes, God, I want to do what you're asking, but how can I get by, you know, just kind of, under the under the radar and you know just not just not make you mad you know we'll be we'll be good the other route that we take is the legalistic one we judge ourselves and we judge others uh, for our failure to hit this imaginary target that we've created in our own minds um i continued on my minimalistic approach um so i thought okay if if it's got to be 24 hours straight, if, if, if that's the way that's supposed to work, can I at least have a floating Sabbath? Um, you know, could I move it around each week and look at my schedule ahead of time and find the least busy day that week, and that'll be my Sabbath for that week? So do you see how our minds work when it comes to trying to do something God's called us to do? Or, or maybe I just need to admit again how my mind works. And once again, it didn't take too much discernment for me to realize that I was just trying to make it easier on myself and make excuses. Uh, And I was missing the entire point of what God has intended for us in a day of rest. And so I decided that I just needed to see what God had to say on the matter. And this all happened long before this series ever started. I've been, uh, he's been dealing with me on this for quite a while. And as I said at the very beginning of the series, I, I, I felt like I should get to the point where I was really practicing it well before I would share it with the congregation. But God made it real clear that he was like, no, just invite them to come along with you because I'll still admit I'm not there yet. Um, but, but he's definitely developing more and more of a heart in me to know that this is something that he has for me and that he desires and that the desire is building up in my heart. So I started, started looking at scripture. Um, and as I've mentioned before, it turns out that God included the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments. Uh, it's found in both Exodus and Deuteronomy. And the interesting thing is that each of these has a slightly different take. And we're going to look at that difference to help us get a picture of what a Sabbath day of rest is supposed to look like. One thing that we're going to find and one thing that our Western culture doesn't care for at all, and certainly not my OCD mind, is that um, it appears God is specifically vague when it comes to how to practice the Sabbath. Uh, and, and, you know, like I said, that's not something we like. We want to just know. Just tell me what to do. Tell me how to do this and what I have to do, and I'll, I'll do that. Or we'll come up with reasons. If he does give us those specific examples, how can I do that in the easiest possible way and just make, you know, just make it. So we're going to start with Exodus chapter 20. 
in verses 8 through 11. It says, remember, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So we're, we're, we're to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And so we work for six days and rest on the seventh. It says we do all our work on the sixth day. Um, I love theologians who point out the, the word all, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it would be in Hebrew. But you know, what does the word all mean in Hebrew? It means all. Do all your work on the six days and don't do any of your work on the seventh. It's set apart. The other interesting thing is that it's for everyone. Um, it wasn't just for the Israelites. Even if they had servants, it included their servants. And then it even says sojourners. So if they had foreigners in their land, they were to be allowed to rest as well. And it, and it even included the animals. Don't make your animals do any work. It was everyone can rest on this day. And then we want to know, the, well, why? You know, what, what's the reason behind this? Because God rested on the seventh day. It says, remember what he did. And he blessed it. He set it apart. He made it holy. We do it because God said so. He put it in the Ten Commandments in both records in Exodus and Deuteronomy. And because he gave us the example, God didn't need to rest. He didn't need, uh, he wasn't tired, uh, but, but he rested as an example to us. Now we're going to look at Deuteronomy, and this is in chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. Notice that this verse starts out with a different word. It starts out with, observe the Sabbath day. To keep it holy. The version in Exodus said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. And just want to take a moment to say that, that Deuteronomy was written after Exodus. So it wasn't that they'd lost what was written in Exodus. It's just a different perspective of the same scripture. So it's telling us a, a different why for why we're supposed to do this. So six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from, where, from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So once again, we see that we work on six days. We rest on the seventh. It's for everybody. Um, I pointed out that this version says uh, observe instead of remember, but Deuteronomy also does use the word remember uh, when it says remember that God brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you were once slaves there, and while you were there, you didn't have the opportunity to rest. They had taskmasters in Egypt. If you remember, uh, the reason that Moses had to flee is because he killed one of those men. Uh, that he was whipping uh, one of the Israelites, and Moses you know, was going to deliver him, and he tried to do it his own way. And he killed one of those men and had to run away. Um, and so these taskmasters didn't let the Israelites forget what needed to be done uh, or what, ha- what had to be done right now. And there certainly wasn't any time for rest. And we may think we're free today. We're not slaves to anyone, we would say. Um, but how many of us have a taskmaster that we carry around with us everywhere we go? Right here. 
We have, uh, whether it's our own thoughts, whether it's the thoughts of the enemy coming into our minds, uh, we have a taskmaster that we walk around with everywhere we go. How many of you have ever tried to take a day of rest or even just a moment of rest and you sit down and you've been resting maybe a minute and your mind is just going on all the things that you're supposed to be doing and all the things that aren't done and that you should have done, and that you need to get done before you can rest. And it's just, you know, again, we have this task now, just whipping away at you, beating you, saying, you know, you don't deserve this. You haven't earned this. Uh, who do you think you are that you can rest um, when all these things need to be done? And the answer is we're children of God, who God has called to rest, and so that if we trust him, he will take care of all those things if we'll just do what he said and, and set that time apart. So both Exodus and Deuteronomy give us these descriptions, um, again, more vague than we would prefer. You know, couldn't God just tell us exactly what we're supposed to do and not do? Um, he just simply says, observe, remember, work six days, rest on the seventh, don't do any work. And that, again, it seems descriptive, but it leaves us with so many questions that, and, that we want answers to and we want specifics to. We're going to look at a few passages in the New Testament now. The first one will be in Romans. Uh, You can turn there if you have your Bible, but it'll it'll also be up on the screen. Um, And some of these passages are used uh, to try to give arguments, and maybe the better word would be excuses, um, to back up what I was saying earlier. You know, the the how can we get by by doing the least possible thing. And uh, so we're going to look at some of these scriptures uh, the first passage that we're going to look at is found in Romans chapter 14. And Paul is addressing some issues over what people were eating or not eating uh, or how they practiced different things on different days. And basically uh, said that everyone stands or falls in the eyes of their own master. Uh, and the master that he is referring to is God, not, not a human master. He was referring uh, to God and saying that we shouldn't be nitpicking at one another over these minor details. Uh, and that... I would say it would be good for you to read um, all of chapter um, 14. Um, everything in there is really good, but we're, we just have time to look at verses 5 and 6 this morning. He says, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. So like I said, this is one of those passages used, um, we use it to say uh, why we observe Sabbath on Sunday. Uh, Jesus was resurrected from the dead for the Sabbath, or or, uh, on Sunday, and so um, Western cultures have said Sunday is our Sabbath day. Uh, If you were to go to Israel, they still celebrate Sabbath from uh, Sunset on Friday to sunset on Saturday. What this scripture would say is, okay, you know, they, they're doing it on this day, you do it on this day. Don't squabble about the day. You're both, you know, attempting to do what God's, God's called you to do. Um, and one of the things that I've mentioned from the beginning of the series is that God is more concerned with our heart than anything else. Uh, we need to get a heart that longs for God's rest. You know, the, the, this isn't something that one more thing to do, one more thing that we have to do, one more rule that we have to follow. But if God transforms our heart on this, then this would be something that we long for, that we desire, that it would say, no, I want to be uh, in God's rest. I want to be in his presence. I want to take this time apart, set apart with him that he's called me to, that he's called me and said he will take care of the other things if I'll make that time for him. 
Um, and basically, the scripture is saying the nitpicky specifics aren't the most important thing. Um, I also think one of the biggest issues that was facing this culture at the time this letter was written is they were too far on the legalistic side. We know through the passages that we've looked at and one that we're going to look at here in just a moment that the Pharisees uh, had created a lot of rules about observing the Sabbath, things that weren't in Exodus or uh, Deuteronomy that we just read. But they made all these extra rules to help them follow that rule. And so they had gone very far on the legalistic side to the point that they said Jesus was a Sabbath breaker, uh, which, of course, we know wasn't, wasn't the case. Um, what I would say about our culture today is we've gone far to the other side to the point where we say, well, we don't have to observe the Sabbath at all. Maybe, you know, we'll come to church on Sunday, but the rest of the time, day, everything is mine. I'll do what I want, when I want, how I want. Um, and by golly, I won't rest on this day either. You know, there's too much work to be done. So... Um, so I think that's, that's one of the reasons that we find this is because he was speci- speaking to a specific problem. But I do want to remind us that we definitely don't want to become legalists um, on the specifics of how we observe the Sabbath. Um, but I do think God had reasons and wisdom in what he was asking us to do, and there were whys behind it um, in the specifics that he did provide us. And I know there's going to be some of you that have like a rotating shift or rotating days off work. So what I'm about to talk about may not be possible to you, but there would be some other way that you would be able to do that. And for everybody, I would say, you know, ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. If he's calling you to to do better in observing the Sabbath and say, okay, Lord, how can I observe this? How can I follow you? Um, But for those of us who have the ability to to actually have a day, a specific 24-hour period that we set apart, I do think there's a reason um, that God did that. And that reason is pretty simple. God's God, and we're not. We plan around him. He doesn't plan around us. I can guarantee you, if you set a specific day for your Sabbath, whether it's Sunday or Saturday or whatever day, if it's a set day, there are going to be many times that are going to come up that are going to be extremely inconvenient. It's not going to, you know, there's so many other things that I would need to do today than rest. And that goes back, you know, that's why I came up with my floating Sabbath day plan. Because I knew what it would mean if I really picked a day and how complicated that would get and how complicated it would make my life. Um, and, and think of the lie in that. that I'm thinking to, to rest, to spend that time with God is going to complicate my life. Because I'm not going to be able to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. Um, and that's just not going to work for me. And what we find that God's saying is, that's not why I'm asking you to do this. I want you to have a weekly reminder that I'm God and you're not. That if you set a time apart for me and honor it and keep it holy, I will meet you there. And I will be with you in the other six days of the week. And I can multiply the work that you do in those days. And, and, and we learned last week about things that he did uh, while, he, while Jesus sent the disciples off to rest. And that he was doing the miraculous while they were resting. And that's what God promises us if we'll you know, take the time to rest as he's called us to. But I believe that's the, the primary reason that God has said that there is a day to set apart. So it will be inconvenient for us. So we will run into it like a wall and just be like, oh, I don't want to do this today because there's, <laughs> there's so many other things to be done. I recently blocked off um, from Saturday at sunset to Sunday uh, evening uh, in my calendar as a reminder that I'm supposed to set this time aside. And I'm trying to, to make it a practice of honoring that 
time and not to work during that time. And I'm definitely not there yet, but I'm working toward it. Um, and Candy and the girls were here in the first message, and I immediately pointed out, well, you can't do that because you've got to work, <laughs> you know, on Sunday morning. I'm like, okay, I've had that conversation too. So, yeah, it's still in progress for me. I'm still trying to figure this out. So I may have to move that too. This next passage addresses uh, several of the other items uh, that I brought up, and I'll, we'll stop in the middle of it because uh, there's too much if we just read it all at once. But this is in Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. It says, At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? And by the way, this is the excuse I was using for how I can still preach on Sunday and get away with it. He said the priests have to work. And so I was like, hey, I, you know, does the pastor not qualify as that? But we'll have, so like I said, I got to talk over with my wife and we'll, we'll figure that out. Anyway, so I'll tell you something. Something greater than the temple is here. And he's talking about himself, that Jesus Christ was the temple of God. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. So just this, in this section, Jesus addresses several things. First of all, it was clear that this was the Sabbath day, and the disciples were picking grain and eating it, and Jesus didn't correct them, but the Pharisees did. Um, then it shows, it says that David, Jesus said, didn't break the law when he, well, he actually said he did, but he was guiltless uh, when they ate the bread of the presence from the temple. And nobody really argued at that point. That's, you know, why he was making it. And then Jesus also adds that the priests don't do work on the Sabbath, and they're not breaking the Sabbath law either. Um, and then we're, we're going to go on in just a second, but one of the things that we need to get out of this passage and this message this morning is that one of the easiest things to do when we start trying to practice the Sabbath, and I'd really say, like I did a moment ago, if we try to practice anything that God's called us to do, the easiest thing to do is to start becoming legalistic and to start looking at how at least we're better than that person. Um, and so the Pharisees were trying to find all the rule breakers. And according to them, Jesus was one of those rule breakers. Um, but Jesus is simply saying their rules are wrong or that they're misinterpreting the rules. Uh, so verse 8, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, and I just want to stop here. In Mark chapter 2, verse 27, the same account is given, but there's an extra uh, statement that Jesus made that's recorded in Mark that's not recorded in uh, Matthew. And it's this, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And it just goes back to God created this for us, for our good. It's for us not that we're doing God some great thing or that he's getting something out of us um, doing what he said. Verse 9 says, He went on from there and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they may accuse him? And he said to them, Which one of you... Who has a sheep, if it falls in the pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisee went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. 
So Jesus makes clear that he is Lord of the Sabbath, that God made the Sabbath for our good, and that it's definitely okay for people to be healed on the Sabbath. Jesus simply declared in that last verse, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And Jesus pointed out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, that they would rescue a sheep if it were to fall in a pit, but they weren't willing for a man to be healed. Remember how easy it is for us to be blinded with legalism. Look at that last verse. After this, they went out and made plans to assassinate him. So they were so infuriated that Jesus would heal a man on the Sabbath that they wanted to kill him. So if you look at their logic, the religious leaders uh, thought that it was wrong to heal on the Sabbath, but it's okay to plan an assassination. That's where legalism can take us. And we can look at the Pharisees and judge them and say, look how horrible they were. But again, it's so easy and we get ourselves there uh, so many times when we look at others and start saying, well, you know, again, at least I'm doing better than they are. That's not what God's calling us to do, not in this or anything else. Um, The last thing we need uh, to do if God is calling us to observe the Sabbath is to be legalistic and judge those around us for not doing it as good as we are. Um, Hopefully this will allow us to have some grace, uh, not only for others, but for ourselves. Because the other problem with being a legalist is that you're going to be beating yourself over the head. Or that taskmaster I was talking about in our mind is going to be whipping us over it because we're not doing it good enough. Uh, You could do it better. There's always some other level that we could get to that we can't attain. Um, So hopefully uh, that will also let us be a little easier on ourselves as well if God's calling you to, to do better at practicing this time of rest. We're going to look at Colossians 2, uh, verses 6 and 8, and then jump to 16 and 17. Uh, We've only got time to read about four verses here. In this case, make a note. If you've got time this week to read all of Colossians chapter 2 and 3, um, that would be really good because there's a whole lot of good stuff in there that really speaks to this this whole thing. But we're just going to read uh, verse 6 and 7 first. It says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Now we jump to verse 16. Therefore, do not let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. We need to walk in Christ Jesus our Lord, the one we have received, and not let others pass judgment on us, even in regard to the Sabbath. And just remember, we also shouldn't be passing judgment on others along the way either. Remember all my excuses at the beginning of the message. Uh, we could use our freedom in some of these verses to say that we don't have to keep the Sabbath. It doesn't matter uh, when we practice it or even if we practice it at all. But again, I don't think that's the case. It's not a sin that God won't forgive us for. I'm not saying if we don't do this right, if if we've accepted Jesus Christ in our heart uh, and he is our Savior and and we don't ever get this right, I don't think that's going to keep us out of heaven. But we're not getting God's best for us. We're not doing what the, the, the one who has the owner's manual on the human life has said, this is best for you. 
and best for all of us. And so it's what we're missing out on by not doing what he's called us to do. Uh, and so I don't think it takes too much discernment to see that our attempts to, to get ourselves out of this, to get us off the hook um, of the Sabbath, uh, that they really are just excuses. And there's a few reasons uh, that we might have for that. It could be that we don't think we have the time. Again, there's just too much to do. If I give up that day, I'm never going to get it all done. Well, let me ask you a question for all of those like me who have not honored that day for most of my life. Have you ever got it all done? No? I'm not. I'm looking. Any? <laughs> Someone raise your hand. If you've ever got it all done, raise your hand. We don't get there. <laughs> the other thing is we just don't want to. You know, we just, we can't get that desire. And that's something I think we can ask the Holy Spirit for. And the last thing, I think this may be... We don't want to admit it, and I know I don't want to admit it, but I think um, the root is there. We simply don't trust God to take care of us. We think if, if we don't take care of ourselves, if we don't do it, nobody else will, including God. So I have to do it. And that's, again, why I think God gave us this so that we could remind ourselves on a weekly basis, I am not God. I can't accomplish it all. Even if I try to ignore his rule and use all seven days, I will never get it all done. So we want rules. We want specifics. Um, Unfortunately, God didn't give it to us in the specifics that we would like when it comes to the Sabbath. Uh, And I'm sure it wasn't an accident. Work six days. Rest one. Don't do any work. Uh, If there were specific rules, according to the Pharisees, Jesus broke them. And I don't think any of us are going to do better than he did. So let's just try to stay with those basics. Uh, there's one last passage I want us to look at. If you are taking notes, I'd write this one down. Because if you want specifics, I think this is the closest you're going to get in the Bible. Um, it's Isaiah 58, 13 through 15. And Isaiah was a prophet. And this is a word that it's God speaking through him. So this is like God speaking to us. He says, if you turn back your foot from unnecessary travel on the Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a spiritual delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable and honor it, not going your own way or engaging in your own pleasure or speaking your own idle words. Then you will take pleasure in the Lord and I will make you ride on the high places of the earth and I will feed you with the promised heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken." If we will take one day to not seek our own pleasure, to find our spiritual delight in the day that God set aside, to see it as a day set apart, honorable to God, to honor it by not going our own way, not engaging in our own pleasures or speaking our own idle words. If we can do that for one day a week, God says we'll be able to take pleasure in him and he will make us ride on the high places of the earth. He will feed us with the promised heritage of Jacob. He will be our blessing. He will take care of those things that we can never take care of, even when we use all the days that we have in a week. We just need to remember that the Sabbath is for us. It's for our good to be a blessing, and we can do good on that day. It's a day when God offers us something better than we are chasing the other six days of the week. He offers us himself. Not only is the is the rest for our good, but he promises to bless us during it. 
like I've been saying, my type A brain wants more specifics. And we're going to look at this again from a little bit different way next week um, as we close this series. Um, but it's still not going to be as specific as some of you may like and certainly not as I would like. But Sabbath is defined in the Bible as simple in its vagueness. Don't work. It clearly is Jesus uh, taught us working does not, uh, not working does not exclude doing good. And God's certainly okay with blessing others on the Sabbath. Um, and actually, I, I, we didn't do this in the first service, but I just felt this in, uh, in the second as we close. I really believe um, there's something to God is good about healing people on the Sabbath. And I think there's people in here, I know there's uh, relatives of people here uh, that aren't here this morning that need healing. And I believe that um, God wants to heal this morning. Um, and so as we close, uh, we're just going to bow here for a moment before Evan starts to lead. We'll close our eyes, bow our heads. But if, if you need a healing this morning, if you know of someone that needs a healing, just raise your hand as we pray. And we're going to pray that God does a special work this morning in healing. Generally, Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you uh, that, that you know everything there is to know about us. And you know that we needed rest. And you gave us some, some guidelines for how to do that, Lord. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to us this morning, that we will um, receive that word from him, that we would, our hearts and minds would be transformed and be replaced with a desire to spend that time of rest with you. Father, but this, this morning, Lord, one of the things that we know that Jesus did over and over and over, and, and the Pharisees even called him a rule breaker, a law breaker for it, was he healed on the Sabbath. You're good with healing on the Sabbath. You're good with healing in any day of the week, Father. And we just, we thank you for that. Lord, and I know um, there are so many here, either themselves or their loved ones that need healing. Lord, and it is your good pleasure to heal. Father, we thank you for that. We give you glory for that and honor for that. And Father, we just ask. We don't deserve your healing any more than we deserve a day of rest. We don't deserve the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross. We don't deserve the forgiveness that you've given, but all of those things are a free gift from you to us for us to receive, Lord, and we receive your healing this morning. Only you can do it. Only you can heal. Only you can accomplish the true work that needs to be done in our days of work, Father. And we ask that you would come alongside us uh, and do the miraculous. As we encounter other people, as we talk to them, as we share our testimony, Father, I pray that you would come forth and that you would change their hearts and lives, Lord, and the miraculous would occur. The work that only you can do would occur. Father, we give you all glory and all praise and all honor in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. How blessed are we to have a pastor who can walk with us, not just challenge us. You need to do this. He says, come walk with me on this. How blessed are we to have a pastor who can do that. And, and I find it personally challenging because I love to work. I mean, it's one of my favorite things to do. But it's not good for me. Tammy's been trying to tell me that for years, uh, that I just need to take a break. But now I'm hearing it from my pastor, so there might be something to it. Um, let me share something with you that uh, I saw this morning in first, first service. A little bit further down in Colossians uh, chapter 2, 
It says, don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, uh, saying they have visions about things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. Uh, part of that is because they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. When we can take a break in the middle of our plans to spend time with God, what are we saying? You're in control. You are in control. So if we're trying to make plans around and make a work through or a work around or our own little correction about how to do the Sabbath, who's in control? Us. When we take time to do it the way he asks us to, okay, God, I'm going to do what you've asked. You're in control. If he's in control, how are things going to go? A whole lot better than if I'm in control. I'll tell you that right now. So I want to challenge the head of the households here represented today. To start praying, ask the Holy Spirit, how can I do this? Show me how to work a Sabbath into my schedule. Show me who's really in control here. Help me figure it out. Don't laugh. Somebody's laughing at their husband. Oh, my goodness, I'm sorry. Head of the household, challenge your family. First, God, you show me how to do it, and then you show me how to communicate that to my family, and y'all be blessed together. And if you're talking to your brothers and sisters who are here throughout the week, just ask them, what have you heard? Don't challenge them. Did you do it? Did you do it? Just ask them, how's it going for you? Has God told you anything? Here's what he shared with me. We need to hold each other accountable in love, in love, and we'll all grow together from the pastor on down because God has asked us to do this. So, Father God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit can leave with us here. You're not just here in this place. You go with us because we're your temple. You're going to travel with us, through us, out into our homes, our workplaces, into the marketplace. Holy Spirit, I thank you that throughout this week, you're going to bring to our remembrance that there's something we need to be doing, plans that we need to be making, an, an, an honor that we need to be giving towards you because it was in your commandments to take a Sabbath and make it holy. So, Father God, I thank you that you can do that in our households. You're going to challenge us as the head of our households to be able to walk that out and show this next generation what's important. And it's you. Not what we do or how we do it, but it's you. And you're the most important things in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 